Who was Jesus? He was a maverick, a perceived rebel with a cause, a rabbi against the grain of what a rabbi should be. He didn't act like people thought he should. He didn't associate himself with who people thought he should. He was for the down and for the out, the underdogs, the misfits. And it's not just who was Jesus, it's also who is Jesus. When he died on a cross for our sins, he rose again three days later. He defeated death. The one who was became the one who is. He's not just a past tense ideal, but a present tense life changer. The past tense inspiration became the present tense king. The past maverick became the present master. He's the way, the resurrection, and the life, the good shepherd. He's the light of the world, the true vine, and apart from him, we can do nothing. Jesus and Jesus alone is our true north. Well, I'm so fired up that you're here this weekend, and no matter where you're joining from, we're, we're just really glad you're here. Hey, I wanna let you know that next weekend, we're gonna start a brand new series called Don't Take the Bait. And I'm, I'm literally going to have a bear trap with me on stage, okay? No, no joke, I'm gonna invite one of you to come up and like see if you can avoid it. No, I'm not going to, but really we're gonna look at this thing in scripture that's so surprising that we get baited with. It's a real surprise, and it's trapping so many of us, and it's gonna be a life-changing series. We've been working on this series for over a year, so I'm really excited to kick it off. I think it's the perfect opportunity, by the way, to invite someone new. Uh, we have these invite cards that I would encourage you to pick up on every campus, and just to, to start inviting someone that you know could use the hope that you have right now. But this weekend, we're gonna wrap up True North, and I wanna tell you one last time that there is a major difference when it comes to what every campus or compass will point you towards magnetically, because every compass uses a magnet versus True North. And listen, magnetic north is not the same direction as True North. And I really love this analogy because I think this world is always gonna to try to pull you off of God's true north for you. And it may only be a few degrees, the difference between magnetic north and true north, but what we've been looking at in this series is that even if just a few degrees difference, over time, you can end up in a place that you never intended. And my guess is that's where some of us are. You know, maybe it's this season of COVID, you know, maybe it's something else in your life, but you've just been thrown off a little bit, and you've been in a season where you're just in a place that you, you, you don't wanna be. It's not your true north. And we've been looking at trying to get back to true north. And you know, very transparently, I'll tell you a season in my life that I got thrown off where I wanted to go, the direction I wanted to be. And it actually happened in college for me. Can anybody else relate that in college it threw you off a little bit? Some of you are like, I don't remember. I don't remember getting like off, off base at all in college. That's because you don't remember anything about college, okay? <laughs> things you were doing. Um, for me, I was actually in Bible college, so I wasn't getting drunk. I wasn't on, you know, using drugs or anything, but I just, I just got thrown off a little bit of my, my true north. And really for me, I'll be honest, the way it happened was I started substituting my Bible classes, like learning about Jesus from actually having a true connection with Jesus. And what I would tell you today is there's a really big difference between learning about Jesus 
and being connected to Jesus. You can know about Jesus and actually not know Jesus. And I just wonder if there's someone here that can relate with that. It's not that you don't want to be connected. You just feel disconnected from God, from Jesus. You, you know it. And if that's you, I want you to know this message is for you. Because what we're going to do today is I'm going to look at the seventh I am statement that Jesus makes about himself in the book of John. We've been looking at these I am statements. And this I am statement that Jesus makes in John chapter 15 is all about being connected to him. How do you do that? John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus says this. This is the last I am statement he makes. He says, I am the true vine. I love that Jesus uses the word true because what he's telling us is that there's other vines that you can try to get, you connect your life to that you think are gonna produce something good in your life and they're actually fake. They're gonna leave you on empty. So Jesus says, only I am the true vine. And then just a few verses later in verse four, he says this. He says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Remain is the word abide or connect. Has to stay connected to the vine. Now, the, when Jesus uses the word vine, the Greek word is a very specific word, not just for any vine, but for a grape vine. And I was thinking about that going, you know, we live in Phoenix. It's not like there's a lot of grape vineyards around here in Phoenix. They don't do well in 115 degree weather. But in Arizona, we do have some vineyards. And they're actually known as some good vineyards. Believe it or not, I found out that one of the best vineyards in all of Arizona is in my little podunk childhood hometown of Wilcox, Arizona. Supposedly there's like some good uh, wine coming out of that region right now, which I thought, I didn't think anything good could come out of Wilcox. I mean, it's like nothing, but supposedly it is. But in Jesus's day, listen, there would have been vineyards everywhere. There would have been vines everywhere. So when the disciples are listening to Jesus and he says, you know, no branch apart from the vine can produce any fruit, they're like, well, duh, Jesus, we all know that. Tell us something we don't know. So Jesus goes on, and he tells them, really, what he wants them to know. He says, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, this is a weighty statement, because what Jesus is saying is he's saying, apart from me being connected to me, you cannot produce fruit. And what we're told all throughout Scripture is this. Staying connected to Jesus is the only way, the only way your life will produce fruit. The only way. Now, that's a bold statement in and of itself, if you really think about it. But I think the context in which Jesus gave it adds even more weight to it. So I just want to help you with the context in which Jesus said this in Scripture. And it's really fascinating to me when you, when you really look at it. In John chapter 15, you know, a lot of times when you're reading scripture and Jesus makes a saying, we don't exactly know where he's at, like where, what, you know, exactly where he's at. In this section, we know where he was at. Because in chapters 13 and 14 in John, if you go back and read them, Jesus is actually having the last supper with his disciples. He's in an upper room in Jerusalem. And then in chapters 16, 17, and 18, Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, he's arrested, and then the next day, he's crucified and killed. 
And in chapter 15, we know where he's at. Watch this. If you look at an ancient photo of Jerusalem, here's what you can see. This is the section where Jesus would have had his last supper. It was right here. Outside the city over here is the Mount of Olives. This is where the Garden of Gethsemane is. You can still go there in Jerusalem today. It's beautiful. I hope it's a bucket list item for you to go to Jerusalem. So many sites you get to see where Jesus was at. But we know this is where the upper room likely took place. This is the Garden of Gethsemane. So when Jesus in chapter 15 is talking to his disciples saying, I am the vine, he's walking. Because at the end of chapter 14 it says, at the Last Supper, he says, come, come now, let's leave. He gets up from the table. He's walking to the Garden of Gethsemane. As he walks to the Garden of Gethsemane, he would have had to pass by what? The temple. This is the Jewish temple. Now hear me. The Jewish temple was the center of all religious activity at that time. It's where you went to connect to God. You had to bring a sacrifice or an offering. This is what they did, but it was a center of all religious activity. You had to do something for God. To, and this is where everyone thought you had to go to connect with God. And, and when Jesus is walking, he says, I am the true vine. You think, what's, what's that matter? Well, listen, the, the temple at that time, and we know this from history, draping the entrance of the temple, watch this, would have been what? Would have been a massive pure gold grapevine. Now this is a, 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 a image from the side of the temple, the Jerusalem temple at the time. Massive pure gold grapevine would have been hanging down and it was so massive, the historian Josephus, who's not a Christian, said this. He said, it's so magnificent. He wrote about this in history. He said, it's pure gold. The clusters of grape are as tall as a man. That's how big it was. He said, you can't walk past the temple and miss this massive vine with clusters of grape hanging, hanging from it. You can't miss it. Now, why would they have grapes hanging from the temple? Because in that day, in Jesus' day, a vine with grapes growing from it symbolized what? Blessing, happiness, vitality, all the things that they wanted in life. That's what it symbolized. And they hung it from the temple going, this is where you can go to get that. And Jesus is literally walking past the temple with his disciples. And he says, you see that? I'm the vine. I'm the only way you can produce fruit. It was such a significant moment. Now, think about our context. Even in our context today, um, grapes and vineyards, we, we, they really actually still symbolize blessing and happiness and vitality today. I'll give you an example. When something great happens in your life, sometimes we're at a table and we make a toast, and oftentimes with the toast, inside the glass, what, what's in there? Wine or juice. We're, we're toasting using a vine and grapes to say something amazing's happening, but the point is simply this. When you think about a vine, it symbolized happiness, blessing, and joy. Now, I was thinking about this week, this week, and I thought, you know, when we taught on the Good Shepherd, it was hard for a lot of you to, you know, to relate, so I was kind of explaining about sheep, because most of us don't have sheep in our backyard, but since we're talking about a vine and, you know, what comes from it, wine today, I thought, you know, there's a lot more people that are going to be able to relate with this, okay? <laughs> Nervous laughter, you know? It's like, listen, you can, you, it's not a sin to drink a glass of wine, okay? It's a sin to get drunk, right? So, but he's talking about wine, but it symbolizes what we want in life, happiness, blessing, and joy, and peace. Isn't that what you want out of your life? The fruit that's coming out of your life, your relationships, your marriage, your kids, your career, your finances, what do you want? 
You want great, good fruit to come out of those things. And Jesus is passing by the temple and he says, that can only come from me. And then he repeats himself and he ups the ante. And I think he might have repeated this right when they were like going past it. They could see this golden grapevine perfectly in, in, in view. Verse five, he repeats himself and says this, I am the vine which makes us what? You are the branches. Now if you've ever seen a grapevine specifically, the vine is kind of significant. The branches are like little teeny twigs. They're so insignificant. I think there's some symbolism to that to us that outside of Jesus, you will never find significance in this life. But these little teeny twigs coming off of a grapevine, they can produce so many grapes you can't even imagine. And Jesus goes on to say this. If you remain in me and I in you, you won't just bear fruit, you'll do what? You'll bear much fruit, more fruit than you could ever imagine. And then the very next sentence that comes out of Jesus' mouth, in my opinion, is maybe one of the most astonishing lines in the entire Bible. Watch what Jesus says. Apart from me, you can do what? Say it out loud with me. Nothing. Nada, nilch, nomas. Let me think about this. Jesus is saying, apart from me, what's he saying if you're taking notes? Apart from me, being disconnected from me, you'll produce nothing, like absolutely nothing. And it's kind of like, Jesus, what are you talking about? I mean, this is where, you know, I'll sometimes talk to people and they'll say, well, you know, I don't believe Jesus is God's son, but I think he's a good guy, good, good moral teacher. And I always push back on that because I say, listen, if you listen to what Jesus said about himself, he just said, apart from him, you could do nothing. Could you imagine your husband coming home you know, from work one day and going, woman, apart from me, you can do nothing. Would you call him good? No. No, Jesus either is who he said he was or he was wacko. And I'll, I'm gonna be really transparent, okay? When I've studied this verse, there's been times that I've started to push back a little bit. Like, God, are you literally serious? I can do nothing apart from you? Like, I don't mean to seem sacrilegious, God, or I, please don't strike me with lightning. I'm a pastor, I'm just kind of trying to understand this, okay? I feel like I've done a lot of things without you. Like this morning, I woke up, put my pants on, one leg after another, didn't even ask you for help. I mean, I've gone to Chili's and ordered chips and salsa because I love them, didn't even ask you. I mean, Jesus, you know this, because okay, you know all things. You know, recently I shot a 74 in golf. And, and, and Jesus, let me tell you something. You know, normally sometimes I ask for prayer on some of the putts. I didn't ask for prayer on any of the putts this time. Like, I kind of did it, all right? You know this. Jesus, uh, the NFL season is going to start, and without even asking you, I'm going to cheer against the Seahawks. I'm going to do it, okay? I'm going to do it again. What's that, Lord? Oh, you're going to do that too? Okay, all right, cool. We're good. All right, we're good. It's like, I, I just want to push back. I want to be like, are you seriously? I can do nothing, nothing in life apart from you. Let me show you what the word nothing means, because this really helped me understand this verse. Nothing actually means in the original language a quantity of no importance, worthless. Please hear what Jesus is telling us. He's saying you can accomplish all sorts of things in life. You can attempt to accomplish all sorts of things in life. Without me, 
at the end of your life, it will be absolutely worth nothing. And my prayer is that at some point in your life, you realize that all the things you might be chasing that you think are worth something, without Jesus, at the end of your life, I promise you, they are not worth a thing. Apart from Jesus, you will never have anything good or worthwhile in life, the peace, the joy, the happiness that you're actually really seeking. What is Jesus telling us? He's telling us that you are designed by God, your creator, to stay connected to him. That's the only way you'll see any sort of fruit come out of your life. All the things you want. It only comes from staying connected to Jesus. Let me put it this way. When a car manufacturer designs a car, they give you the instruction manual. And if a car's designed to be run off unleaded gasoline, if you decide to put water in the car, it's not gonna work. It's gonna break down. And as God is your creator and designer, he designed you only to find fruit and peace and fulfillment connected to him. Let me put it another way for you. God designs you to be fueled, fulfilled, and to produce fruit only by him. Sometimes I, I, I like to say it this way, because this is gonna help somebody. You were born with a God-sized hole in your heart. We all were. There's a hole in your heart and you know it, you know how I know? Because you are trying to fill your life. All of us do this, we try to fill our lives that we think are gonna fill that thing that we fill is a little bit of a void. And we know it, it's a, it's a God-sized hole. And so what do we do? We try to fill our lives with all the things we think are gonna fulfill us. So we, we sometimes turn to things that money can buy. We think if we just had a, a, a bigger bank account, we'd actually be happy. It, it could make our marriage better. If we just had a nicer house, we'd actually be fulfilled, because it's a little small right now. You know, so let's get the nicer house, nicer car. We turn to things money can buy to try to fill this hole that is a God-sized hole in our heart. Or maybe we try to turn to something that power can give us. We try to turn to influence. If we just got the next promotion, if we could move up the ladder, if we could have more followers on Instagram, we'd have more influence because we see other people and they look happy. And then sometimes that doesn't work, so where do we turn? We turn to sex and pleasure. We fill our lives with, maybe we're just seeking after the next sexual escapade. We think that's gonna help, and, or, we, or we're looking for the right person. We think if we could just marry the right person, it would fill that void that we know we have in our hearts. And so we go after you know, this right person, but how many of you here today, let me ask all the people that are married, how many of you know today, if you're married today, would you say your spouse has met every single one of your needs in your life? That would be no. They weren't designed to. Listen, marriage is awesome. I mean, I am a happily married man, and I don't know what I'd do without my wife, but Jamie would tell you the same thing. Marriage isn't designed to fill your life with everything you need. You have a hole. And when none of those things work, you know where we go next? And sometimes it happens earlier than later. Then we turn to a substance. Because there's pain in our lives, there's anxiety, there's depression. And we don't know what to do, so we start to turn to something to help us. And we turn to, you know, a substance or a pornography or a bottle or a pill. Because we just want to numb the pain. We, we know there's a void. We feel it. 
And I just want to talk to at least just maybe just one person here today. You know you have a hole, and then there's something that happened that made the hole bigger. And it wasn't even your fault. Someone abused you. And someone touched you sexually, and it was someone that you trusted. And you were just a little kid. And someone raped you. And someone abandoned you, and maybe it was even a parent that abandoned you. Or maybe a spouse left you. They ran off with somebody else. And the hole that was already there that you're already trying to fill, it fills even bigger now. And you know it's affecting you because you want the relationships in your life to go well. You want the current marriage, the current dating relationship to go well, but you know that that thing's affecting you. You're not seeing the fruit you want from your life and you know you're trying to be the best parent you can, but some of that pain from your past, there's just a hole there and we're trying to fill it with everything. And what Jesus says is this, there's only one thing you can fill your life with that'll give the fruit you need and fill that hole and it's me. And if you're not seeing the fruit that you want from your life, maybe you're connected to and filling your life with things that don't fulfill. See, there's a fact of nature that you can't escape. And here it is. What you're connected to determines what fruit comes from you. Let me say that again just for somebody here today. Whatever fruit you see coming from your life is simply a byproduct of what you're connected to. And without Jesus, you'll never see the fruit that you want, ever. Jesus said it so clearly because the next words out of his mouth in verse six are this. If you do not remain in me, if you don't stay connected to me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And some of you know that your life is withering in front of your very eyes. And you're trying to hold on to it. But like ashes, when something gets burned, it's just slipping through your hands. And so when you're not seeing the fruit that you want to see from your life, you have to ask a question. Am I connected to Jesus? And I want to ask you today to answer a question. Every person here. Are you 100% sure without a shadow of a doubt that you are connected to Jesus? Are you sure? You'd say, well, how would I know? What fruit are you seeing from your life? What fruit are you seeing from your life? Not the plastic fruit. Not the pictures you post on social media that make it look like your life is perfect when behind closed doors there's tears and anxiety, and anger. And not the financial fruit. Some of you are so financially successful that you put that as a show to say, look at the fruit for my life. How many of you know that you can have a full bank account and an empty heart? Why? Because money can't buy you a great marriage. And money cannot help your kids and your parenting. And money no matter how much you spend, will not solve your anxiety. It's only when you're connected to Jesus that you will see the fruit that you want in life. And again, you might say, well, gosh, I mean, how would I know? 
how would I know I'm connected? Like, what kind of fruit would I see? What, like, what are you talking about, Ashley? Like, what kind of fruit? If it's not financial, if it's not like success, the way the world defines it, like, what kind of fruit? And this is where scripture makes it crystal clear the kind of fruit you see when you're truly connected to Jesus. Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and 23. This is a list I challenge you to memorize because it tells us exactly what the fruits of the spirit is. Listen to what the fruits of the spirit are. Watch this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Would that describe the kind of fruit that you're seeing out of your life right now? In your marriage, is there all sorts of love? In your household, is there joy? When you go to bed at night, is there peace? With your kids, is there patience? Are you kind? Is there goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Listen, nobody's perfect at this list. But in general, are those the kind of things that you're seeing come out of your life? And let me clarify something. Fruit isn't a test of your salvation, whether you're saved. It's simply a byproduct. And here's what someone's thinking right now. I mean, you kind of listen to the message and you're going, you know what? That list kind of got me there. Like, I'm not seeing a lot of that. So you know what you're going to do? You're thinking this right now. I'm gonna leave today and I am gonna get after it. I'm gonna see some fruit and I'm gonna work harder. I'm gonna work harder at it. I didn't see all of it. I'm gonna work harder. I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna get my spouse. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna love you better. I'm gonna get my kids together. I'm gonna go, listen, I will be patient with you. You know, you're just like, I'm gonna fight the anxiety even more than I ever have. And I know it's not worked in the past, but I'm gonna do it better. And what is Jesus telling us? You gotta let this sink in. That's not how it works. Does a branch wake up every day and say, you know what I'm gonna do today? I'm gonna produce some fruit. (laughs) No, what's a branch do? A branch just stays connected to the vine and that's how it produces fruit naturally. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing on your own. It's not from you. (laughs) That's why, and I would challenge you to do this this week. Go read John chapter 15 when Jesus says, I am the vine. When you read this verse, you'll see one word that is the key word that pops out everywhere. Jesus says, you gotta remain in me. You gotta remain in me. Remain, remain. 11 times Jesus says the word, remain. Why? Because unless you're truly, without a shadow of a doubt, connected to Jesus, you will never, ever, ever see the fruit you want. You might see it for an hour, but it'll be gone the next day. It's plastic, it's fake. Who is Jesus? You know, we've been talking through this whole series about who Jesus is, and I believe God's speaking to someone today. 
Who is Jesus? He's the resurrection and the life. He's the good shepherd. He can guide you. He's the light. And he's the vine. My guess is there's, there's three groups of people here today. Every single one of you will, today will find yourself in one of these three buckets. And I want you to place yourself in a bucket today and I want to challenge you to do something about it, okay? All of us, I'm gonna give you a challenge. Every person here. Here's the first group of you. You are connected to Jesus and you're seeing fruit. You know it. It's not perfect. It's not every day. It's not, I am completely patient with those kids all the time. But you know, you, you, you realize that with Jesus' help, man, you, you really are gonna do that. I mean, you have peace, joy. Even in the midst of everything going on, you can still find some joy. You are connected. And here's what you know. There's been a day and a moment and a time where you decided to follow Jesus and you were baptized. It was your decision, not someone else's decision, not a grandparent's decision, not a mom's decision, not a dad's decision. You decided to get baptized, you connected to Jesus, and you're seeing some fruit. You're seeing some fruit in your life. Here's my challenge for you. My challenge for you is start leading others to the same hope you, you found. Why don't you start inviting people to come experience CCV with you? For a lot of you, you know what you need to do? You need to step up and lead. We have so many leaders at CCV that you're kind of on the sidelines and we need you, especially you heard earlier, we have neighborhood groups starting up and some of you need to lead a neighborhood group. You wanna know why? Because when you're producing fruit, when you produce fruit, the fruit isn't just for you. If you keep all the fruit for yourself, you know what happens to it? It rots. You produce fruit. It is designed for you to serve others, to give your life away, to lead and help others. So I'm challenging you. Those of you who know you need to step up, lead a group, start serving, start inviting. That's your takeaway today. There's a second group of you, and you would say this. You were connected, but you've broken away. You had a moment in time where like, you made a decision to follow Jesus, you were baptized, but you know that kind of like a branch can get broken, you know you've just been, you know, with the wind swirling and a lot of things going on, you've broken away and you know it. What's my challenge for you? It's time for you to get reconnected to Jesus. You'd say, how would I do that? So many ways, you, know, you can reconnect to Jesus by getting into his word. It's a, it's a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. It connects you. Later on in chapter 15, Jesus starts talking about prayer, that you connect with Jesus through prayer. But we have an environment at CCV where you'll get into God's word and prayer, and you'll be surrounded by some amazing people. And it's, you heard it earlier from our campus pastors. It's a neighborhood group. And if you're not in a neighborhood group, your takeaway today very, very clearly is you need to get in a group. Here's why. I do not know how you can stay connected to Jesus without being connected to community, real community. And what we're doing right now, you're sitting in a row. This isn't community. A row happens in a circle in a living room, and you need good people around you from CCV to help you stay connected. So best takeaway you could take today is you knew you were connected. You feel a little broken like right now. It's time to reconnect. Here's the group I want to talk to you the most. It's those of you that know this, you need to connect to Jesus. You know, you know, 
that you have not truly gone all in with Jesus. You believe in Jesus. I mean, you're, you're, you're doing your best. You're here learning about Jesus. But you don't know Jesus. I mean, truly connected. You know the Bible says that the demons believe in Jesus? And what good does that do them? It takes more than belief. You have to have a moment where you go all in with Jesus. You decide to follow Jesus and you're baptized. What do we do with baptism? Baptism is us symbolizing with our life what Jesus did for us, that he died and rose again. And when you're baptized, you're symbolizing, I'm all in. I wanna be connected to Jesus. The Holy Spirit fills you up. That hole that you've always had, it gets filled with Jesus when you decide to follow Jesus and you're baptized. And I'm gonna challenge every person here today that if you've not decided to follow Jesus, that you would repent and be baptized. That's what the scripture calls it. Repentance is simply you saying, I'm gonna turn from doing it my way, I'm gonna do it God's way now. And baptism is you symbolizing with your life that you wanna connect with Jesus. And listen, if you've never been baptized here today, I wanna challenge you to do it today. And here's what some of you are thinking. And it's actually, you've thought this for a long time, it's why you've held off. You're thinking, I just gotta get my life in order first. Then I will get baptized. Then I'll go all in with Jesus. And it's one of the biggest lies that exists in our world today. Please hear me. You don't wait to get your life in order to follow Jesus. Let me use the analogy Jesus used. Do you know what that's like? That's like a branch that's disconnected, never been connected. It's dead on the ground. And the branch says, I'm gonna produce some fruit first, then I'll connect to Jesus. It will never happen. You can't produce fruit until you're connected. So you saying you wanna get your life in order first, change some things, you know there's some things wrong, it will never happen until you connect to Jesus. That's how you see fruit. So please hear what Jesus is saying. You don't wait, you make a decision to follow Jesus and he's the one that helps you See the fruit you want from your life. If you've never been baptized, Jesus is waiting for you to connect to him. I don't care how bad you've messed up, I don't care what you've done. If you were the last person on earth, in, in spite of all your mistakes, Jesus would have gone to the cross for you. That's how much he loves you. It's a free gift. You don't earn it, it's by grace that you're saved, but you have to take a step to make sure you decide to follow Jesus and you get baptized. Last weekend, Jamie and I, it was, it was a big weekend for us. We took our oldest daughter to college and some of you have been there, you know it's like, it's this emotional, like weighty thing, you know. Jamie and I thought it was gonna be really hard when we said goodbye and you know, we, didn't, we didn't cry all that much, but it was really weighty and, and it was this weighty thing I just felt like, man, God, we're releasing my little girl off into the world. And we drove to the airport and we, you know, we drove over together in Carly's car and then we, she took us to the airport and she dropped us off to fly back and she was gonna stay, you know, kept her car in California and, we said our goodbyes and we hugged. It's like a long embrace. We said goodbye. She gets in her car and for whatever reason I just grabbed my phone and I just like started filming her driving away. 
and I'm watching my little girl drive away and a car's disappearing in the distance and God in that moment spoke to me. And here's what he said. All the advice, all the things you poured into your daughter, the only thing that matters is that you gave her me. If she's not connected to me, nothing matters. None of your advice matters because if she's not connected to me, she will see no fruit. There'll be no fruit in her life. She's toast in this world. And luckily Carly is, I mean, from a lot of you pouring into her in this church, she made a decision to follow Jesus and be baptized and I know she's connected to Jesus. But what I wanna tell someone here today is this. If you've not decided to follow Jesus, don't you dare get in your car and drive away from a campus today without deciding to be connected to Jesus. Your life depends on it. Your marriage depends on it. Your parenting, you will not see the fruit from your parenting without Jesus. Your anxiety, your depression, the hole, the pain, it does not go away until you connect to the vine. If that's you, today's your day. Across every campus, after every service, we're doing baptisms. And you're thinking like, I didn't come prepared to get baptized. We came prepared for you. We have a shirt that says changed on it because that's what happens to your life when you're baptized. We have a pair of shorts. We have a, a towel for you. The only thing we don't provide is the fruit of the loom, okay? <laughs> Cheesy joke, I know. But we've tried to provide everything so that you can simply take a step to decide to follow Jesus. If that's you, it is the only way, the only way you'll see the fruit you want in life. I'm gonna give you a chance to make whatever decision you need to make today. All of us have a decision to make, whether it's getting baptized, whether it's stepping up to lead, whether it's reconnecting to Jesus. And as we take communion today, I just want you to ask yourself, God, what are you telling me? And whatever God's telling you, you obey. Obedience equals blessing. And I wanna pray for those of you that need to make a decision to get baptized today. I wanna pray God gives you the courage to do just that. Let's pray together. Father, as we get ready to take communion, we remember that your, the bread equals your body, the juice, it represents your blood that you shed for us on a cross over 2,000 years ago. And when we take the juice today, we remember, God, that you are the vine. The only way we can see fruit in our life is when we connect to you. And I pray for the man or woman here today that's been, maybe they've been putting off, deciding to go all in or get baptized. I pray today you would, you give them the courage to realize that their life will never be what they want it to be until they decide to follow you. Father, as a church, will we continue to lift up the name of Jesus and will we see our valley changed? We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.